Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. God is so good. God is so good. Hallelujah. It's so wonderful to be in the house of the Lord this morning. It truly is. Uh, God is always on time. He's perfect. He uh, knows what He's doing. And um, just briefly, uh, before Brianna sings, we came from San Antonio, Texas last week, and everything was in order uh, as far as our trailer is concerned. Uh, we had one slide that was broken. Uh, needed to get fixed, but we travel week to week, and so everyone's three to four weeks out. Uh, it's difficult to stop and have someone work on it. And um, well, on the way here, uh, just our we ended up with three broken slides, and uh, that just you can't even operate with three broken slides. I had four tires that went completely bald, had wires showing. Um, the heat literally melted the tire. I've never seen tires wear out that fast. And I'm good about keeping a walk-around inspection and everything. And um, When we stopped in St. Louis, so I needed to get four new tires, and um, I, take, I took my trailer to the tire shop. I stayed right there in the waiting room the whole time. I read a book, um, had some conversation, and when I went to go pay the invoice, uh, Someone had already paid the whole bill. That was um, close to a thousand dollars, almost very near, and uh, that was such a blessing uh, because we were kind of overwhelmed at that moment. I don't know how we're going to get this fixed, what we're going to do. We still have our trailers broken, and so we we on the way here from St. Louis, uh, the batteries die on my trailer and my refrigerator. It quits working, and you don't know that until you get settled down that night. And so everything inside our fridge and our freezer went bad, and I had meat stocked up at everything. And so we had to empty out our refrigerator. It was just it was not not a good night. And um, so we get here, um, we have three broken slides. Everything in the refrigerator was gone, um, and uh, we get here pastor takes us out to eat and he hands me $200 cash and he says this is for groceries and he never I never told him I still didn't think he's just now finding out about the refrigerator and so you know small things like that God just works and then by Monday morning brother Heath came and looked at our trailer and by Tuesday afternoon he had all three slides fixed on our trailer didn't cost us anything Amen. And so we were just overwhelmed with emotion, with love, and um, we were, we were, we've had a busy year. We've had a lot of things going on, a lot of spiritual battles when we travel different places, and so we were just weak in that moment, tired, overwhelmed. And so Brother Heath noticed that my awning was broken. Awning is just an afterthought. It's not a necessity. It broke last year in a, a tornado in East Texas. And he said, well, I know a guy up in Granville um, that can work on your awning. So he gives them a call, and they say, you order the parts, we'll charge you $200 to, to put it on there. I said, well, that'd be great. And so I ordered the part, came in, I brought the trailer to them Friday morning. By the time I get back to the house, they call me and said, the part you ordered is the wrong part. It doesn't work like that. So there's nothing we can do. They said, we can put a brand new and whole entire awning on your trailer uh, for $1,866. And I said, well, I'll talk to my wife about it, but you know, the trailer, the awning doesn't need to be fixed. So I'd rather have that money in my uh, bank account, but I didn't tell them all of that. But so we weren't going to do it. Before I had the chance to call them back, five minutes later, they called me and the lady, and her husband that owned the business, she said, I was t talking to my husband, and we decided that we want to donate the awning to you guys. And so, they said it won't cost you a thing, but the $220 for our installer to uh, install the hardware and everything. And so I get there to pick it up. I'm overwhelmed. Brought my family with me so we can thank them personally, because I just never heard of something like this. 
And uh, the installer said, well, if they donated the awning, then I'm donating my labor as well. So it's paid in full. And we showed up. Trailer was broken. Everything was kind of uh, just kind of down and out, which was uh, kind of similar to how we felt at that moment as well. And uh, with just a few days, God turned it all around, and I didn't have to do a thing. And that's just how He works. Amen. We serve a good God. Hallelujah. glad to be here with all of you. Y'all have been a great blessing to us. Um, I was just thinking this morning what a privilege it is to be here. Just in the presence of such a mighty God and in the presence of all of you. There's just, there's nothing like being part of the family of God. He's He's so good and so faithful and so wonderful. And all the songs that have been sung this morning have been about that, the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. His love and he wraps you in his arms. It's true. No matter what season, no matter what situation, he's there and he loves us. So um, worship with me as I sing this song.
thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, we're going to turn to the book of Romans chapter 4. Praise God. Romans chapter 4. Hallelujah. There's so much inside the whole Bible period. We'll never fully exhaust God's Word. Uh, but I've been doing a study on Romans and I mean it's just amazing what the deeper you go, the more you find. You never just get to where you've got it all. And uh, God performed a miracle for us this week. Multiple miracles. Some smaller than others, but you know, even the small ones at the right time, they just they overwhelm you. God cares. God knows. And, uh, and God can. I believe that God can. I believe that He's done it for me. And He can do it for you. He's done it for you before. And He can do it for you again. Amen. And I, I'm not a prophet, so I don't, I'm not going to tell you what God's going to do. But I will tell you what I feel like God wants to do. Is He wants to, he wants to perform some miracles this morning. Amen. Do you believe that this morning? That God can perform a miracle in your life? In your situation? Praise God. We just need to believe in Him. Trust Him. Take Him at His Word. Praise God. There's so many variables we can consider uh, that can cause us to doubt. Pastor was just talking about everything that's going on, not just in the world, but in your world as well. The adverse circumstances. But if we just simply trust in Him, take Him at His Word, believe that He is. Paul in Romans chapter 4 um, I want to give honor to Pastor and Sister Showstrand. I can't say uh, I can't say it enough how wonderful they are, how, how uh, kind they have been to me and my family. Such a blessing to us and to everyone they come in contact with. But in Romans chapter four, Paul in, in verse seventeen he begins talking about the faith of Abraham, and I just want to focus on uh, that portion right now. So we'll pick up here in verse 17. It says, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. He believed God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Because God simply can. He's God. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. Verse 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Verse 19, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. In verse 21, I like this one. Being fully persuaded that what He had promised, He was also able to perform. In verse eight, uh, 19, rather, it's referring back to Genesis 17, verse 19, when uh, the Lord spoke to Abraham said, I'm going to give you a son. And, um, he was not weak in faith. He considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. Um, he was a hundred years old. He considered his body dead, broken. His wife had always been barren. But the Bible says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And so, 
We know the story very well. God gives them a son. They name him Isaac. From Isaac came Jacob, the one who would wrestle with God, whose name would be called Israel. And it was him through Israel that the nation was born, that the lineage, that, that, that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, would one day come from. And all of that began, it came from broken and barren vessels because God can simply do anything. And so I want to preach to you this morning with the help of the Lord about the God of broken sticks. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank You for Your Word this morning, God. I ask that You let it break us, shape us, and mold us, Lord, that we would simply believe in You this morning and take You at Your Word, O God. I pray, God, that there would be an element of faith, God, that would rise in this place, Lord. That expectancy would be present in this house this morning, Jesus. That, Lord, we would stagger not, but, Lord, we would be strong in faith, take You at Your Word this morning. And, Lord, I pray, God, that we will see miracles, signs, and wonders take place in this house this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. If you believe that this morning, would you clap your hands unto the Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, um, one verse, Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, how many of us believe that this morning? Hallelujah. When I try to comprehend this verse with my limited finite knowledge, my small mind, it just blows my mind away. It, it, it just overwhelms me uh, that this verse is telling me that no matter whatever I can think or ask, conjure up in my mind, that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above that. Anything that we can ask or think this morning, they, he says he can do exceeding abundantly above that. Hallelujah. That is the God that we serve. That is the omnipotence of God that he can do exceeding abundantly. Anything. God can simply do anything because he is God. And I ask you to simply to consider this and take God at His word this morning. Don't consider the doubt, the fear, the percentages, the, the, the statistics. Uh, don't consider your adverse circumstances just for this moment this morning. Take God at His word. Simply believe in Him. Don't let it just be words on a piece of paper, but let it be true this morning. Hallelujah. Let God be true and every man a liar. Hallelujah. Praise God. Our world uh, simply tells us that, you know, things are just impossible. It's not a reality. It can't happen. It simply can't be. But you see, my God specializes in the impossible. And the Bible says with men this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I want to draw you to Mark chapter 10 this morning. A few verses of Scripture here. Where uh, verse 13, the Bible says, They brought young children to Him, speaking of Jesus, that He should touch them. And His disciples rebuked those that brought them. Uh, most scholars believe this to be their parents of the children bringing uh, them to Jesus. They wanted Jesus to interact with their children. They wanted their children to, to be around Jesus. And um, I, I can appreciate that being a parent myself. Um, how we need to bring our children to church. Bring our children to an altar. Teach them how to pray. Read them the Word of God. I want my son to be exposed, to, be inter to interact with Jesus. I don't want to do anything to hinder that. Amen. Uh, but the Bible says that His disciples rebuked those that brought them. I uh, read once, and um, I, I simply don't know how true it is, but I have read that in the days of old in ancient Israel, that um, they had a low regard for children in their social society. 
Children were at the, simply at the bottom of the ladder. And so um, I don't know the situation I'm implying here or assuming. But perhaps uh, Jesus' disciples thought that Jesus was simply too busy at the moment to, to spend time with these children. Uh, Jesus has got uh, a schedule, an itinerary. He's, he's too important to slow down to, to, to hang out with these children. But I'm thankful you see in verse 14 that when Jesus saw it, He was much displeased. And He said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto Me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. These children that perhaps you have a low regard for and you're trying to push away from Me, Jesus said, they have something of value. That perhaps you lack. That they, they possess something that maybe you need to get a hold of. And he goes on to say in verse 15, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And I wonder what this does for the disciples. Uh, if it pricked them a little bit. And maybe they were more observant pastor of children as they watched, walked by and, and saw them uh, interacting with Jesus or what have you. But Jesus simply said, these children have something of value that you need to get a hold of. And so I stand here today believing the Word of God. I believe that children do possess characteristics, traits that you and I as adults somehow, some way, um, over the course of time, if we're not careful, we can... We can let loose of. We can just let it slip away inadvertently, not intentionally, but I believe that we can benefit by observing our children. And um, so, case in point, um, my son Joseph, he's be three next, week, next month. Um, we were in revival last year. Um, I'm, I'm Joseph's father. I'm the authoritative figure. I know my duty, understand my responsibility as a parent. I want to raise a godly man in an ungodly world. I want to raise a, a man that grows up to love Jesus, to strive to be like Him, to be a Christian. Uh, I want a man of integrity, a man of character. And so that's a daunting task. But if I'm honest with you this morning, Joseph has probably taught me as much as I have taught him. That's, I'm not stretching that. And so we were in revival last year in East Texas. Um, actually the same spot where the tornado came through and broke our awning. And um, it was a Monday morning. We had two services the day before. It was a mighty revival. We had two-month revival. Eighteen people were baptized. Multiple people got the Holy Ghost. God was moving. We were just... It was, it was, it was perfect. Um, but Monday mornings, you see, I'm, I'm typically exhausted from the day before. And I, I like to rest and, and relax on Mondays the best I can. I get up before my family and um, I, I spend time with God, read the Bible, I drink my coffee. And so it was a typical Monday morning and I'm up alone. But Joseph, you see, he wakes up a little sooner than he usually does that morning. And he was almost two at this point. Um, but he was still just one. And he had a very limited vocabulary at this point. But he, did, he could say a few words. And so he comes bounding down the steps of her home. And his uh, favorite pair of shoes, they're his water boots. His rubber water boots. Joseph is a complete boy, you see. He, uh, he just loves boots. He loves cars. He loves deer. He loves all the boy things. And so I didn't have to teach him that. Just something he does. So he comes running down the steps in his boots and he points out the door and he looks at me and says, Dad, 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 side, side. I knew my son was asking me, I, I, can we go outside? He had looked out the window of his bed that day and he noticed that it had rained the night before. And Joseph saw the water puddles and stuff in the parking lot of the church we were staying in. And so he, he saw an opportunity. He put his water boots on. He's ready to go. And so Brianna was still asleep. I said, well, we'll go outside and let you get wet, muddy, whatever. If I get in trouble, we'll deal with it later. So we're outside. On the way out the door, Joseph, he grabs his favorite stick. Now, I can't express this enough. Joseph, at that point in time, had an affinity for sticks. 
He loved them. And when Joseph found a stick he liked, you see, he would not just play with it for a little while and toss it to the side. When he found a stick that he liked, it traveled with the family. And it was not unusual to have sticks in the back seat of my truck or in the uh, little fifth wheel trailer that we call home. And so Joseph grabs his favorite stick on the way out the door and we're out there and I'm drinking my coffee and Joseph's stomping around in the water puddles. He's playing, having a grand time. And then all of a sudden I watch him from afar as he looks down and he notices this dark, mysterious figure he had never seen before. And Joseph, being the, the curious young man he is, he notices every time he moves, it would move with him. And when Joseph would try to flee, it was always right beside him. And to this day, my son, when he runs, he's always looking to the side at this dark, mysterious foe. And this is a problem. He's ran into multiple church building walls. And so, uh, and so Joseph... He's running away trying to get away from this, this adversary. And uh, he, he's trying his best to, 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 to get away from him. And it just will not leave him alone. And then there was a proud father moment. You see, Joseph was noticing his shadow for the first time. And there was a proud father moment when my son decided that he was going to stop running. He was going to stand his ground and face his fears head on. He stops, he turns around, and he raises that stick up in the air like this and he begins to beat that shadow on the pavement of the parking lot. It was a proud father moment. And so I'm laughing and just cracking up. But in the course of that beating, you see, given that shadow, the what for, Joseph's precious favorite stick, it breaks in half. Now me, instinctively, I didn't say this aloud, in my mind, I, I instinctively, I didn't even think about it. I just said, Joseph isn't going to like this. He's not going to be happy about this broken stick, you see. Because I'm the adult, I have a firm grasp of reality. Uh, I have, hopefully, logic, and wisdom, understanding it to some degree. And, and past experiences in life have taught me how things work. And we live, we're molded by this framework we call reality. And in that framework, there are some things that our reality, our world simply says is impossible. Cannot happen. It cannot be. It's just, it's, it's just impossible. Simply impossible. And so, past experiences have taught me that once some things break, certain things break, they cannot be made whole again. They cannot be restored, fixed, such as his broken stick. And so, I'm thinking in my head, Joseph's not going to like this. Uh, he's going to be upset, you know, because I had already uh, assumed that, you know, the, the stick is broken and, and Joseph's just going to have to get over it. We'll find him another stick somewhere. But Joseph doesn't have that firm grasp of reality like you and I today. And so it surprised me a little bit whenever he reaches down with his chubby one-year-old hands and he begins to pick up the broken pieces of that stick. And he gathers it towards his chest. He turns, faces his father, and he begins walking to me. And when he approaches me, you see, he holds out the broken pieces in his little hands and he says, Dad, 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 Dad. There was no need for more words because I understood that Joseph was asking me, will you fix my broken stick? I thought this was a good, uh, good life lesson to learn, good life moment here. I was going to teach Joseph a lesson. And God was thinking the same thing. However, I'm going to teach you a lesson, Justin. That's just the way God works. And so I began to tell my one-year-old that, buddy, once the, the stick is broken, daddy cannot fix the broken stick. Uh, I could glue it back together, but I knew the way he handled it, it wouldn't last long, and it would never be completely whole again, you see. And so I'm explaining to Joseph, the stick is broken, we'll find you another one, we'll get over it, and that's just how things work. Some things break, and it cannot be fixed. And Joseph, you see, would not take no for an answer. And he would just raise his voice and say, Dad, 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 Dad. And I'd say, Buddy, the stick is broken. And he'd say, Dad, Dad. And I'd say, 
I'd raise my voice and, buddy, the stick is broken. Daddy cannot fix it. And next thing I know, I'm in an argument with a one-year-old about a stupid broken stick. And then came that nudge from God that Monday morning. There's only been a few times in my life where God has really spoke to me. And, I, uh, I, and this was one of those precious moments, you see. And the conversation was like this. But I thought that I can do anything. You preach behind someone else's pulpit every week and you tell them that I can do exceeding abundantly above all that they can ask or think. That I can restore, I can fix, and I can mend any broken situation. And then he asked me a question. And I have come to believe that the omnipotent, omniscient God likes to ask questions. What makes this stick any different? And immediately I was convicted over the stupid, broken stick. But you see, that's how we are in life, you see. We grow up, we get older, we gain some knowledge, wisdom. And I'm not preaching against any of that, you see. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, seek wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. We need this. But as we get older and we experience life, and life teaches us, and the world that we live in tells us that some things are impossible. And when something happens, we experience broken sticks, you see. A, a broken heart, a broken home, a broken marriage, broken dreams. Things the world said cannot be restored stored cannot be fixed we just learn to see we just learn to just deal with it to just settle for what the world gives us you see build a bridge and get over it they say that's how we are but my one-year-old taught me a lesson that day that no matter how old I grow to be or how wise I ever become, I must never get to the place in my walk with God that I forget that my Father can do anything. I must never get to the place in my walk with God. Friend of mine, I don't care how bad it is. I don't care how broken it is. I don't care how difficult it may seem or how adverse your circumstances are. We must never get to the place in our walk with God that we forget that God can simply do anything our God is able to do exceeding abundantly and he can heal a broken body he can open a barren womb he can heal a broken home our God can do exceeding abundantly I don't care what the world says. I'm a child of God. And my God is able to do anything. Let us never forget that He is still the God of the impossible. He's still the God of the miraculous. He is the God of broken sticks. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let us never forget that our God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Who am I to say that the stick cannot be fixed? Who am I to say that the stick cannot be restored? You see, it's a broken stick today, but it may be a broken home or a broken heart tomorrow. And I don't want my son to grow up and say, my daddy taught me when something breaks, you just deal with it. You get over it. I want my son to grow up and say my daddy taught me it doesn't matter how bad it is it doesn't matter how broken it is I can hit my knees in prayer and I can bring my brokenness I can gather the fragments of the broken sticks and give them to my father hallelujah hallelujah I want my son to know that he doesn't have to settle that He can bring anything before God because our God can do anything. Hallelujah. And so as you read the Bible, you can find broken sticks all throughout the Bible. I bring some to you this morning. Ezekiel 37 and verse 1, the Bible says, The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. The prophet speaking, notice he says, The Lord carried me out and set me down in the midst of the valley 
which was full of bones. Not 20 furlongs away, not on the outskirts of it all, but right in the midst of this valley. Right in the middle of this hopelessness, this desolate place. And not only that, he said, he caused me to pass by them round about. I want you to get a good look at it, Ezekiel. I want you to let this register in your mind. I want, it to, I want you to let it sink in for a little bit. You see, the bones we learn in verse 11 that they symbolize the hopelessness of Israel. It was a hopeless situation. It was desolate. It was an impossibility by the world standards. That... And He caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, He says, there were very many in the open valley. I'm overwhelmed by the hopelessness. Overwhelmed by these dry bones. And He says, lo, they were very dry. Bones are the remains of something that once had life. Something that once lived, you see. You once believed in it. You once hoped for it. You prayed for it. And in some way, somehow, it can just drift off into this valley of dry bones. And he adds that they were very dry. Which, which means that they had been there for a very long time. That not only have they, are they gone, but they've been gone for a long, extended time. And the way our logic and reasoning works, the way mine is anyway, that when I have not experienced something in so long, or I haven't felt it in a long time, my mind and the enemy can come in and attack your mind and, and begin to say, you'll never feel that way again. You'll never get that joy, that peace back again. You'll never see your loved ones back at an altar again. And, and you see this where doubt begins to sink in because we begin to consider the circumstances, the, the ad, adverse circumstances we find ourselves in. But then the Bible says, He said unto me, here comes the question, Can these bones live? Now that you've had time to look at it, and you've had time to consider how bad it is and how broken it is. I'm going to ask you a question the world would say is impossible. Can these bones live? This valley of dry bones, can they come back into an exceeding great army? And he was a man just like you and I, so I, have to, I just have to believe that, 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 that everything was the knowledge and reasoning reality was in the forefront of his mind telling him, no, it's impossible. It cannot be. And you know that, that it, it's, it's, it's an impossibility. It's, it's an overwhelming situation. But you see, I'm thankful we don't have to depend on our adverse circumstances. And I don't have to just consider what lies before me uh, because there's something called faith. Uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, faith says, uh, I don't have to see it to believe it. Uh, faith says, uh, I don't have to see it to believe it. Uh, I just simply take God at His Word. Believe, trust in Him that God is able to do exceeding abundantly. Hallelujah. You see the value of faith depends totally upon the object of faith. It's what we place our faith in. And if we're looking at the impossibility, we're looking at these broken sticks, this valley of dry bones, if that is the object of our faith, then yes, They'll never live again. They'll never be restored. But if I lift my eyes unto the hills and I don't, pl I place the object of my faith not in this impossibility, but the one that specializes in the impossible. The one that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. If I just keep my eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith, then my friend, anything is, is, is possible. Anything is possible when we place our faith in the Lord and faith derives its efficacy not from the one trusting but the one who's being trusted I don't have to depend on myself 
because its efficacy is on the one that's being trusted uh, the one I placed my trust in and so he said can these bones live uh, and he said Lord God thou knowest uh, again he said unto me then prophesy upon these bones uh, and say unto them if that's how you feel about it uh, if you truly believe in me uh, you think that I'm able to raise these bones up uh, into an exceeding great army that I want you to put some action in your faith uh, I want you to activate your faith I want you to open your mouth and I want you to speak to the hopelessness speak to the impossibility and say dry bones hear the word of the Lord thus saith the Lord God that I will cause breath to enter into you and ye shall live if you really believe in me Ezekiel that I want you to speak to it. Uh, do you have enough faith this morning to look your impossibility in the face uh, and speak to it? Uh, do you have enough faith uh, in God this morning to look at your adverse circumstances and say, hear the word of the Lord, uh, that greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world, that my God is able to do exceeding abundance. Don't tell me my body cannot be healed. Don't tell me my family can't come back. Don't tell me that my home can't be restored. My God can do anything. Hallelujah. 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 And in Mark 11 and chapter 13, or Mark 11 verse 13, Jesus says, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith uh, shall come to pass. Uh, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Uh, I believe the word of God this morning. Uh, that if we can just trust in him, place our faith in Jesus Christ, the one that is able, the one that's greater than our circumstance, greater than our opposition, place our faith in him I don't just have to talk about my problems I can talk to my problems I can speak to the mountain I can speak to the impossibility and say be thou removed from my life hallelujah because he is the God of broken sticks He's the God of the impossible. And so what kind of faith uh, did Abraham have? Verse 18 says, Who against hope believed in hope. Uh, he against hope believed in hope uh, that he might be the father of many nations uh, according to that which was spoken so shall thy seed be he had faith uh, against all odds uh, he hoped uh, against hope uh, and he simply took God at his word uh, can you hope against hope this morning and take God at his word that God's still able he's the same today yesterday and forever Hallelujah. Verse 19, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. And when he was a hundred years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb, faith, and adverse circumstances. He refused to consider his situation over the promises of God. I refuse to let these broken sticks define who I am. I refuse to let my current circumstance dictate my faith in God. Hallelujah. In verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Uh, he, uh, he was unwavered, uh, but was strong in faith. Uh, uh, this is important. How did he not stagger? How was he unwavered? Uh, how was he strong in faith huh? he gave glory to God huh? no matter what he was dealing with no matter what he was looking at he gave God the glory huh? the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away huh? but blessed be the name of the Lord no matter what I'm going through he's still God he's still good he's still faithful he's still able Oh, I wish we'd give glory to God this morning. You may be filled with broken sticks, but God is still able. In verse 21, he was fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to also perform. Hallelujah. He was fully convinced that God can do what he says he can. 
that God can do what His Word says. I want to be fully convinced this morning. I want to be fully persuaded. Would you stand with me right now, worship team? If you would come, praise God. I just want to take God at His Word this morning. Some of you walked in this place with broken sticks in your life. Things the world says an impossibility. It's, it's not going to happen. It'll never happen. The numbers don't add up. But I would tell you right now, That He is the God of the impossible. He is the God of miracles. And when Jesus walked into Bethany and Lazarus had been dead for four days, it was an impossibility. Mary, Martha comes running out. Jesus, if you'd have been here, Lazarus would still be alive. What does He tell her? He says, your brother shall live again. She says, I know he will live again in the resurrection day that you've told us about, you've taught about, and there's going to be a resurrection day. I'm thankful for that. The dead in Christ will rise first. But Jesus looked at her in John chapter 11 and verse 25. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He said, Martha, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Friend of mine, the same God that raised up a valley of dry bones into an exceeding great army is the same God that's here this morning ready to work on your behalf ready to perform and so Mary comes out and it's the same thing all over again she's weeping before Jesus the Jews are mourning and it's the smallest verse in the Bible shortest verse in the Bible Jesus wept why would Jesus weep when he knew what was about to take place there was a resurrection on the horizon Could it be when he looked and he sensed a hopelessness that was in his people? A tear rolled down his cheek and he began to weep. Because you're not supposed to feel that way. You're not supposed to feel like there is no hope. You're not supposed to feel like there is no way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm not preaching against weeping. There's no shame in your tears. Even Jesus wept. But you're never to get to the place where you feel like there is no hope. As long as we've got Jesus, we've got hope. So you weep if you must. You cry if you need to. There's no shame in your tears. But don't you ever lose your hope. And Jesus said, take me to Him. They said, Jesus, He's been dead four days. Behold, He stinketh. The deterioration process has begun. It's too late. What does Jesus say? Roll ye the stone away. He could have spoke and that stone would have been obliterated. He could have pushed it with a finger and it would have moved. But Jesus said, if you want to see a miracle, then roll that stone of impossibility out of the situation. I'll perform a miracle if you'll roll the stone away. And friend of mine, sometimes the only thing that's between you and your miracle is that stone of impossibility. I ask you this morning, roll it out of the way and let God be God. I don't care what the world says. And then Jesus raised his voice. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And had he not limited that command to Lazarus, every grave in Jerusalem under the sound of his voice would have raised in the newness of life. Because when the resurrection and life opens up his mouth, death must obey. Hell must obey. Broken sticks must obey. And so my one-year-old taught me a lesson that day. I don't have to settle. I don't have to deal with it. I can gather up the broken fragments of my life. And I can do what I can and I can bring it to my Father. And say, Jesus, here it is. 
there's nothing I can do but trust in you here's my family here's my home here's my job here's my body here's my finances here's the doctor's report whatever it is gather it up and take it to your father would you lift your hands with me this morning let me tell you right now if you're broken in this house this morning we all have broken sticks of some sort but if you're broken in this house this morning you're broken in the right place because if I must be broken then let me be broken in the hands of Jesus let me be broken in his presence if I must be broken then I'm going to be broken with him and if you believe it this morning if you believe it this morning I want you to come